Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Well, what I'd like for you to do now is I'd like for you to go ahead and get your Bibles, open them up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22, Matthew 14, 22. Uh, it is that season again. It's that time of the year where we have our spring storms, you know, isn't it kind of interesting how all that happens? Uh, you know, it, the spring storm season comes whether we like it or not. Uh, and that's, the, the, actually, it's not been too bad this year. There have been some threats, but nothing, nothing really bad, I, terrible, uh, like sometimes it is. But, you know, we've had some rain and some flooding and some lightning for the most part. Is everyone okay from yesterday's storm that came through? Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, but, you know, but th- that stuff, it'll snarl traffic and delay flights and kind of mess things up that way. In fact, Preston, he's, he's out of town with, with, his, uh, with his wife on, on her with her business and uh and their flight was was uh canceled so they are still not actually they should be in the air right about now i I hope but you know as all good north texans know uh when they say flash flood warning you know that means you need to think twice about getting into your car right yeah it does and uh and because the deal is if you've been around for a while you know it can get ugly really quick. It was funny because when I pastored in Missouri for a while, there was a, there was a young man in my church who was going to come down here to go to school. And I said, Hey, be careful. Cause like, you know, up here in the Midwest, when they say, you know, it's going to rain, it, it doesn't flood unless the river floods and you know, that's kind of different. But I said down there, it's like when they say flash flooding, you, you be careful. Don't ever drive into water. I remember telling him that and a month later he had driven into an underpass and his car was completely submerged. He goes, I guess you're right. <laughs> like, yeah, don't do that. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, though, with the time with me, I was uh, with, with uh, oh, Preston was about 18 months old, and Rebecca and I were at a friend's house after Sunday morning, actually, it was actually after the Sunday evening church service, and, uh, and we were there, while we were there, one of those storms moved through, and there were the flash flood warnings, just like yesterday, and so, of course, we knew the drill, you're just going to stay there until, until the storm is over with, and then, then you just hop in the car and go home and and be careful right right and so so that night it was about 11:30 when we finally left the storm had passed with okay it's safe enough to go home and of course the roads were wet and there was some you know little water here and there the ditches were full of water but everything seemed okay and uh and we we, we got then right there to the entrance to our subdivision and uh and and I, I stopped because I saw this pool of water that was covering the road now it wasn't abnormal to see water there because many times before I'd, I'd driven through there and there'd been three to six inches of water and I made it through just fine. But this time it seemed to be a little higher, but I really couldn't judge it. And, 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 uh, and there was this North Texas rule we used to use all the time back in the past, way, way back, where if you can't see the curb, you better think twice about driving into the water. I couldn't see the curb. Actually, I couldn't see about 20 yards of curb. But I, but I thought, well, it's okay. I know this road. I drive it like every day, two or three times a day. And, but, but I just stopped and stared because it was dark, trying to, trying to figure it out, trying to think, you know, what is really going on here? Um, well, that's when this guy come up behind me and started to honk at his horn. And I looked, and he was in his truck, and so I just kind of moved over. And, uh, and he just plowed on through the water, and he got on the other side just fine. I'm like, well, 
it's doable. I, I, it's not a big deal. So I thought, well, of course, I'm not in a truck, but I, I was in my 1988 Ford Tempo, and Rebecca and I, we started driving in. And uh, she was in the passenger seat. I was driving. Little Preston Woody was in the car seat behind us. And, and we slowly crept into the water, but it just kept getting deeper and deeper. I don't know if any of you have had this experience, but it's very disheartening, especially Especially when you see your headlights beginning to become submerged in the water. Uh, we get down to this place, and I, at this point, I'm thinking, you know, we're not going up yet. <laughs> uh, this is obviously the low point, and then the car stalls. The car stalls, it's dark, and then the water begins coming in through the doors. That's kind of weird. You know, that's like the movies. Uh, I'll just let you know, Rebecca was not very happy. Uh, Timothy Preston was just sitting in the back going, having no clue anything was going on. Of course, he's trusting his fearless dad. And uh, and then, (laughs) to top it all off, the car started to move and shift on the flooded road. I am totally serious. That, my friend, is an uneasy feeling. Uh, if you were wondering, it's, it's, it's very uneasy. And, and uh, I was just thinking, yep, she's going to be a boat here pretty quick, uh, you know, if we don't get out of this water. But, but I guess as the water was coming in, additional water inside kind of added a little more weight. And so it kind of displaced it and stabilized the car. I'm like, okay, this is great. We have our feet up. Or we're, yeah. I, 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 I just, I, I don't know what we're going to do here. So the car felt a little bit stable. And so, uh, and you know, at that point, um, I I just I just realized that you know what I just I'm we're all I'm always we're we are we are come on like we are always kind of like in our minds criticizing other people who do that right right we do in our minds like duh why do you drive into the water and I was sitting there thinking and I just did what I mentally criticize people of all the time it's like why well, they have that little thing turn around don't drown okay I get it now I get it now. Uh, you know, and, and, and I was just very grateful at that point because I had the old hand crank windows, you know, do you, any of you remember those? Any of you ever know, do you, any of you know what I'm talking about? All right. The old hand crank windows. I was so grateful, cranked my window down and, and, uh, and as I was cranking my window down, I crawled out. I was in my suit. Uh, this is, you know, this is a long time ago and I, we, we had Sunday night church. I had to wear a full blown suit to church. And so, so I was, I was getting out side in my suit and 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 uh walking around in the water water was about up to here and and uh, and I had to make myself out left Rebecca and this and the baby in the car it's like they're gonna be fine the car's not floating anywhere now so so I I kind of get up and I flag down a truck and the guy from the really nice guy from the truck good old Texas people you know they're always willing to help the guy comes out hey let's help I hope push it out I was like okay good so we we pushed the car out of the water and and uh, you know, open the doors, let the rest of the water out, and, and we got we had uh, little Preston and Rebecca in the truck with the guy, and he drove us the additional four blocks to our house. We got there, and and uh, you know, it was it was. I'm just telling you guys, it was a total disaster. Uh, I got my car all dried out and everything, thinking, okay, by some miracle, this thing's still going to work, and it did, and it drove great for two weeks, and then it threw a rod, and it was just it was it was totally totally terrible. Uh, so you know, here here's the truth. Storms hit your life sometimes, don't they? But the storms you're in, sometimes you can't really turn around. The only way to deal with it is to go through your storm. So today we're going to uh, study a story from the Bible about a windstorm 
on a lake. And uh, it's in the middle of the night. And there are some guys on this first century boat. And there's a man walking on the lake. Um, actually, there were two men that walked on the lake. And this, the, there was this miraculous, uh, instantaneous calming of the wind. And some Star Trek stuff happened, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. And some lessons for miracles for all of us. Uh, I want you to open up your hearts to this. I really do. I think God's going to speak to you. I want us to pray right now. God, I pray for a spirit of revelation in this room. God, we don't just want data and information and history. God, we want transformation that comes through revelation. God, speak to our hearts. Touch our hearts. Change our hearts. God, we want to leave here different in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is called Walking on Water in the 21st century. Uh, it's not about driving on water or into water or over water. You know, I mean, I don't know, maybe this sermon would have helped me before I drove into the water. I doubt it, but whatever. But really, th- this, this message is about a scary situation with water, regardless. Um, and some of you, right now, you're in a scary situation. Um, wind, rain, flood, hail, wall clouds in a sense are heading your way and you're under it or you're in it some of you right now you feel like you're sinking um, and you're asking yourself is a miracle even possible I mean can the natural really be overtaken by the supernatural and you're, you're just beginning to ask that because it just doesn't look very good now, I want us to look into God's word in Matthew 14, 22, where I asked you to turn. Let me give you the setting real quick. Jesus had just gotten word that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been brutally executed by King Herod. Uh, this would have meant that Jesus was hurting deeply. He was, he was emotionally distraught. His disciples, uh, he told him to go with them in the boat, and they were going to go over to this remote place where, where they could be alone and get some rest. But as soon as they got out of their boat, the people then recognized them and started telling their friends. And subsequently, Jesus ended up spending the rest of that day ministering to them and teaching them. Uh, and, and the Bible says near the end of it, the disciples are there. You know, they're, they're all knowing Jesus is tired and exhausted and everything. And, and, and they just say, hey, just send them home. They're hungry. Just, just send them home. And, and Jesus said, uh, and and. And, and Jesus said, no, well, let's feed them. And so they found this. They, they ended up feeding 5,000 people. Some of you know the story with five loaves and two fish. Uh, and, and the thing is, after that was all over with, Jesus just simply needed some time to get his emotions and his heart in line after the death of his cousin. Uh, so you kind of see the real side to this, of what was going on in their hearts. Now, I pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while Jesus dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, keeping in mind some of these were fishermen, and the and and and, and fishermen always have you know pe- pe- fishermen always have stories, you know they they always believe in ghosts and that kind of stuff, and so they're saying they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, "Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid." Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, then 
tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this is the account from the man who was there by the name of Matthew. Uh, This particular story actually appears in three of the different Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and John. And, uh, And that's actually part of the beauty of the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, the story of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And each one of these tell the story from a different perspective, a different vantage point. And, uh, and when, when, you know, you have these different uh, perspectives, there are going to be these different elements that, that you're going to see in the stories that are not seen in others. Uh, some people say, well, see, that's proof, it, you know, that since the Bible contradicts itself. Yeah, you ever heard that? The Bible contradicts itself. You just read the Gospels, and one person says one thing, one person says another. No, that's, I mean, come on, I'm asking, I'm, I know you guys are intelligent. Let's think with intelligence, not with, uh, you know, that don't think through that filter because that doesn't hold weight anywhere. Uh, experts actually say this is the very strong proof that of the of the authenticity and the validity of scriptures because if they were exactly alike, then there would there would uh, then then uh, then obviously uh, these different accounts of Jesus were simply copied and collaborated as part of a scheme. But the reality of human perspective is brought into play when all four Gospels are treated like four completely different vantage points as if people, four people testifying in court. In fact, in a court setting, if everybody says the same thing, you know something's up. But in a court setting, if everyone gives a little bit of a different uh, angle on the story, then you put it all together and you get the truth. And come on, do you, any of you guys study legal stuff? You know that's true. So, so... I, I really love the Matthew account, though, because, and that's the one we just read, because this is the part where, where Peter got out and walked on the water. Um, Jesus, uh, he, was, he, he was out there walking on the water, and Peter comes out on the surface of the lake. I mean, quite, a, quite an unbelievable setting that was there. And it must have been utterly crazy just to witness the whole thing. I, I kind of wish I was there. This, this is one of those things where I, I really kind of wish I could have experienced it all. And, and, you know, first of all, with Peter, I think there's a lot to learn from his experience. And I, for one, am not going to be critical of Peter for taking his eyes off Jesus and beginning to sink. Here's why. It's because I've never walked on water at all. Have you? I can't be critical of him. And in fact, uh, none of the other disciples walked on water either, to my knowledge. Maybe that's why a couple of them left that detail out. I don't, I don't know. But, but nobody else walked on water. Uh, you know, here's the truth. Peter was a man of intense faith. Hey, I mean, he was part of Jesus' inner circle of disciples, and, and, and this man was bold as a lion. And I honestly believe that bold faith like Peter is often what is needed to overcome life's storms today. Just bold, raw faith. But that actually takes me back to this one scripture I shared with you a couple weeks ago in this series. Very important scripture because it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he, look at this, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Some important words right there are the words believe, he rewards, and earnestly seek. You see, okay, get this. Peter was rewarded with a really unique miracle. And, it, and it, it, all it was just a unique miracle. It's just like, wow, I'm walking on water. I, what's, the, the, what's the meaning of this? I don't know, but I'm walking on water. He was rewarded with this unique miracle because he had faith. There it is. He had faith and he believed in the impossible. And what was he doing? He was earnestly seeking Jesus. You see, as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he was seeking Jesus. He kept walking on water. So that day, Peter pleased God in a way that the other people didn't, (laughs) and he was rewarded. But he took his eyes off Jesus because he became fearful of the wind and the waves, and that's when he began to sink. And truth is, that's when you're going to start sinking during your storm too. When you get your eyes on the circumstances that are surrounding you, and you're no longer seeking Jesus, I'm telling you, that I believe is one of the key reasons why a lot of people start to see a miracle happen, but the miracle doesn't come to completion because they get their eyes off Jesus and they start looking at everything that's swirling around them. And if we be really honest, I think every one of us have experienced that just like Peter in one way or another. I think it's good to be honest. So my encouragement is this, is (laughs) seek Jesus. Don't just look at him and seek him once, but keep seeking Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. And, and there are three words that go along with this. Do it earnestly, diligently, and passionately. Looking, uh, look to Jesus and just keep looking to him and make it the first part of your day. That's why we should continually be in prayer throughout the day. You should just like, if you're, if you're, as you're going through your day, stop and pray. I mean, you don't, you don't even have to pause your life. You just pray and ask God for blessing, God's help, God's, God's strength, God's support. Keep God's word in your heart. That's why every morning, first thing on my mind in the morning, I've trained my mind this way. You can train your brain to do certain things. I've trained my mind that first thing in the morning, I've got to be in God's word before I do anything else. And you seek Jesus and you just keep seeking him. And that, that word seek, I, I looked it up and, and, uh, and, and I, I looked it up in the scriptures like what was its original meaning? And that, that original meaning of, of seek means you're going after someone. You're going after something and you're doing it three ways. Earnestly, diligently, and passionately. That's how to get miracles right there. It's an urge, it's this, this earnest, diligent, passionate desire just to keep your eyes on Jesus in the middle of your storm. And I think that's one of the biggest keys to miracles right there. Because when he stopped doing this is when his miracle stopped. That's where the sinking began. But thing is, I was originally going to just talk about Peter and the miracle of him, but I, I saw so many miracles wrapped up in this story, I just couldn't stop there. And so, so I, I want to go into some of the other miracles. There are a lot of miracles that happened today. I mean, Peter was walking on water. Jesus was walking on water, two huge ones. But, but I love what happens when Jesus gets into the boat. And... I actually like what the account written by John has to say about this because it brought out something else that touched my heart. Now, we just read through Matthew's account of this, of what happened when Jesus got into the boat. It said that the wind died down and it was calm, right? That's what happened. That's a miracle. That's a huge miracle. But John gives us more depth. I want you to look at this. It's in John chapter 6, verse 21. It's on the screens. It says, they were willing to take him into the boat. See something different there. They were willing to take Jesus into the boat, And immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were headed. 
Okay, hold on, pause, think about this just for a second. So in this case, overall, looking at the story now, Jesus did not speak to the wind. He didn't speak to the waves in this case. I, and I think, I believe that the reason why the wind stops is because they were willing to take Jesus into the boat and they made room for him on their boat. Now here, here it is. It is now their faith that's bringing the miracle It's their faith that's causing the wind to stop. Jesus didn't have to say anything. And there's more, because even as you read John 6, 21, you're going to see another miracle take place that's easily overlooked. It says the boat all of a sudden immediately was at the destination on the shore. Now, I don't know if it it was Star Trek teleporting, you know? I don't know if it was speedboat style. I think it would be kind of cool if it was speedboat style, because they're they're sitting there, the water calms, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're there. I, I don't know. But one thing I do know is the wind stopped, the waves stopped, and immediately they arrived at the moment Jesus got into the boat as soon as they made space and room for him. I'm telling you guys, this was a day of miracles everywhere. And then then now after really getting that into my heart, I start thinking, well, maybe now I'm not gonna be so hard on John and Mark for failing to mention that Peter was walking on the water. I mean, there was some other crazy stuff happening. It would just been amazing to have been on the boat on that day. Just think about it. It's like the time that was wasted while they were in the lake trying to get to the other side was made up for miraculously and instantaneously. And for some of you, that's what you need to hear today because you're fighting against time. God has a miracle for you. But again, isn't that just really how God works? When you're at the end of your rope and you're behind and things don't look good, you're wore out, the God of miracles steps into your storm. Just like the disciples, when they made room for Jesus, when they made room for him, nature itself shifted. I, I, I really believe this, is that your miracle is all about making room for God. Engage his presence. Now, when you think of the logic behind it, Jesus adding his weight to the boat, let's say another 180 pounds on the boat, that's about to sink, that doesn't make things better. It makes things worse, wouldn't it, in the natural realm? Yeah, no, but they made room for him on the boat. They could have just said, hey, Jesus, you just keep walking in the storm. You know, we're going to get to the other side because we we don't need the extra weight in here because we're going to go down. No, no, no. They made room for him, and making room for him actually lightened the load. What I love even more is what I found in the Gospel of Mark as I was reading through it. I found something even more astonishing is because at the moment Jesus entered the boat, Mark points out the reason why they were so astonished, the reason why things were happening and weren't happening a certain way that day. Mark chapter 6, verse 51, look at this. This is they were completely amazed. This is after Jesus gets in the boat. And again, this is overlooked so easy. It's for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Now, most of you are going to move right past that because he's like, I don't get that. That's nice. Whatever. I'm moving on to the next story. But look at this. Their hearts were hardened. And for some reason, somehow, this is paralleled with them not understanding about the loaves. Okay, let's talk. Let's think through this. Now, remember, earlier that day, uh, they had fed 5,000 people from a little boy's lunch. There were these loaves of bread, and they were broken. Every time they broke a loaf of bread, what happened is it somehow miraculously grew a new piece. It grew back. It, it defied nature. But I still had to ask myself, like, 
but they didn't understand about the loaves. So I did some research, and here's really what I found is just that all natural and supernatural circumstances are subject to God, but for some reason they couldn't believe that. They couldn't believe that the natural as well as the supernatural were subject to God. They couldn't grasp the fact that God had control of nature itself. They couldn't get it through their heads, just like us. See, he can make anything happen through faith. He can. So, so here we, we see Jesus and Peter defying nature, walking on the surface of the water. A windstorm immediately stops, defying nature. A boat full of men are teleported somehow to the shore, defying nature. None of that is possible in the natural world, right? But again, my God, our God, can overcome anything in the natural world as well as the supernatural. And my friend, that includes your storm right now. Because most likely for some of you, your storm is very, very natural. We need to believe You need to believe that God has power over that for your miracles to transpire. See, here's how it works, because faith engages God's presence, and that faith then changes circumstances. I want you to understand something about God. God is present. God is omnipresent. God is here, all right? He is here. But with faith, we actually engage the very present God in this place And then God can begin to perform miracles and defy nature. Again, as we engage his presence that's here, that's when the amazing things happen. Yet yet on the other hand, there's a flip side to that, which really came out from that scripture, is a hardened heart can't even accept that a miracle can happen today. You might, a hardened heart might say, well, sure, I can accept that miracles have happened to me in the past, or they happened last week or last month, or they happened in my family way back, but they can't happen in my storm right now. If, If you feel that way, I want to identify it. I want to call it out. It's called a hardened heart. Um, You might even acknowledge, well, God performed miracles in the Bible, but there's no way those can happen today. There are even some churches that believe that. I'm just telling you guys, that's a hardened heart. I don't want to be around that. And what happens with a hardened heart? Well, that's where fear begins to monopolize. Fear begins to take over. Fear begins to take over your life. What happens is we become afraid that the worst is going to happen, just like the disciples. Oh, it's a ghost. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're starting to panic. They don't see any way out. And and you may not see any way out of the mess that even you've made, and you're scared to death of what might be ahead. You might be saying, well, the storm is just too big of a storm. You're moving into panic mode based on fear. And the reason fear is overtaking you, hear me well, it just might be because you've given in to a hardened heart. I decided that I really wanted to study everything the Bible had to say about a, star, uh, a hardened heart. You guys don't realize it, but I, I, sometimes I spend half my entire week preparing for a 30-minute message. But I begin to say, I want to know everything the Bible says about a hardened heart. And there's a lot there. I, I'll just tell you guys, a hardened heart is not where any of us want to be. And it was revelation to me as well. I asked a few people, what do you think a hardened heart is? And people kind of had ideas, but no one really got what I found from the scriptures. I want to to tell you the the tragic results of a hardened heart as I found them through the scriptures. Here is what I found all through the Bible. The results of a hardened heart is you can't accept God's word for yourself when it's preached. A hardened heart causes you to not be able to move forward into God's future for you. 
A hardened heart causes you to not be able to discern the voice of God even in the middle of natural disasters. A hardened heart causes you to wage war and even attack other people of God, people in the church, other believers, and men and women of God. A hardened heart causes you to commit slander. A hardened heart causes you to not be able to respond back to the voice of God. A hardened heart causes you to be rebellious and stiff-necked. It causes you to become arrogant and prideful. You can't even see or comprehend or understand the work of God. And I think the best illustration that I found in the scripture of a hardened heart is this. It's like you spiritually, you're existing in, you're existing in a drunken or drugged or stupor-like state. Think of it. I remember when I was sitting in high school, when I was in high school, and some of my druggy friends, and I had several friends who were druggies, but you, you could tell when they were high after lunch, and you know, like, they're sitting in class, eh, you know, they were spaced out, the teacher could be talking, and, and you know, they, they weren't really, cl- they weren't really sure what was going on, they were just kind of happy to be there, you know what, they were present, but they were totally disengaged. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, all right, but, but, uh, <laughs> don't look at me like that, like, really, pastor? No, 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 but, but, but I want you to see this, I want you to get this. That's the spiritual condition of a person who has a hard heart. Like you're present, but you're just not able to engage with what's going on. You kind of see everything as just being a little corny and weird. Wow. That's a hard heart. When I began to discover that, I thought, God, help me help us all. In fact, I think um, we have to understand that now, then, then I took that back to the disciples. Like, that's actually what the disciples were dealing with. They had a hard heart. They were guilty of hardened hearts. In fact, I, one of the best descriptions I found of a hardened heart was found in Psalm 95. And I want you to look at this. It's on the, on the screens. It says, it says, today, if you hear his voice, the voice of God, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. And I, I examined that. I, this is talking about God's people when they were in the wilderness for 40 years between Egypt and Canaan. And, and here's the deal with them. They had seen miracles. They had seen the Red Sea part. I mean, come on. <laughs> they had experienced God's amazing power, but they didn't believe it was going to work for them today. That's how a hard heart functions. What happened at Meribah? Well, you can look it up on your own. It's found in Exodus chapter 17. That's some good homework, but I'm not going to get into that today. But here's the deal. God's people were thirsty. But fundamentally, they were angry. Why were they angry? This is the condition of the hard heart. It's because they had not progressed the way they thought they should be progressing. And they were not at the place they thought they should be at. This made them angry with God, and it made them angry with their leader, Moses. In fact, as I read the story, I found that they didn't even believe that they were being led by the Spirit of God anymore. We're not following God, and and Moses certainly isn't following God. Moses is just doing his own thing. Because after all, shouldn't things just get better and better and better and better and better? I mean, how could God take us to and through storms? That's just not how it works. So the people griped. They complained. They were afraid they were going to die, and fear surged in because of hardened hearts. In fact, as I read it, I saw even Moses participating in the hardness of heart. Why? Because Moses began to gripe and complain because the people were griping and complaining. (laughs) He reacted to their hardness of heart with his own hardness of heart. Therefore, everybody had hard hearts. 
what if we die? What if Moses is the wrong leader? Why, why, what if this and what if that? What if, what if, what if? You know, a hardened heart is controlled by negative what ifs. Is that where your heart is today? Are you controlled by negative what ifs? If a hardened heart was possible for Moses, if it was possible for the children of Israel, if it was possible for Jesus' own disciples, I'm telling you guys, it's very possible and likely for us today. After studying this whole thing, I think one of the greatest hindrances to miracles is a hard heart during a storm. But thank God, there's a cure. The cure for the hardened heart is a simple word called courage. Now, I want, you to, I want you to see this. See, courage, what it does is it cancels out the hard heart. Jesus commanded his disciples while they're in the boat. He didn't say, I want you guys to have faith. No, he said something different. I want you to take courage. Because courage will help you get over your hard, hardened, uh, your, your hard heart situation. Matthew 14, 26, listen, it says, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Study that definition of courage. Here's what the definition of courage is. It's cheerfulness, and it's boldness, and it's confidence. Those things right there are the opposite of a hard heart. If you want to get rid of a hard heart that's preventing miracles in your life, I want you to choose those things right there. And beat you. Come on, get this down. Get three things. Cheerfulness, boldness, confidence. You want a miracle? This right here will pulverize your hard-heartedness during the storm. And Jesus said, you just got to reach out and take it. I want you to take courage. It's already yours. I want you to grab it and take it. Go after courage. In fact, cheerfulness and boldness and confidence, these are also attributes of a healthy church and a church atmosphere where God's presence is released and where miracles happen. And I'm, I want to be glad for this, is because this overall is a church, it's a congregation where there's a lot of cheerfulness and there's a lot of boldness and there's a lot of confidence. And that's a good thing. In fact, that, I think that's one of the reasons why miracles quite often happen when God's people get together in an atmosphere of faith and courage, cheerfulness, boldness, and confidence. That's courage, I'm telling you guys. And courage opens the door to stop the fear in your life so you can embrace Jesus and make room for him on your boat, engage his presence, and believe for miracles for your life. I want that. I want you to have that. I want you to have that today. I want you to receive that today because your miracle is out there. Take, take, take courage. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Jesus, I just pray that you will heal us of hard-heartedness. And Lord, we just make the choice today to take, to take that courage to take that cheerfulness, that boldness, and that confidence. We're not going to go down in our storm with a hard heart. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Some of you, you're needing miracles. You really need a breakthrough. You're in a storm right now, and you need a miracle. I probably don't know what your storm is. 
But if it's there, I want to pray for you right now. Just as we're in the quietness of this moment, would you just lift your hand? Would you, be, would you have the courage to lift your hand? Just lift it and hold it up for me. Just keep it up for a couple minutes because I want to start praying over you. As I see your hands lifted all across the room, come on, you're in a storm. I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Have the courage. Take the courage to lift your hand. God, I just pray for release of your blessing over every single person who's in storms right now. I pray for courage. I pray that hard-heartedness will just be shattered. I pray that, that life will begin to flow, God, where there's, the, where there's death. Fear will be dispelled in Jesus' name. And I pray for help and hope and confidence for the days ahead. And Lord, I pray, God, that the miracle will come through in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Put your hands down. Here in this atmosphere of prayer, also, I know some of you, you may not have, you, there may be someone in here, you've not yet committed your life to Jesus. Maybe you've drifted from relationship with God and if you want to make things right with Jesus, you want to get to know the Jesus that does work these miracles, I want to give you, to, give you also an opportunity to respond by lifting your hand, knowing this is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you could have life and life to the full. And today, today, it's time for you to live. If you'd like to be included in my closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at the count of three so I can connect my faith with yours. Would you do so? One, two, three. Just raise your hand for me. Raise your hand. Thank you. Here's what I'd like for us to do. If you lifted your hand, I want you along with this entire group of believers to pray this prayer. Come on, let's all stand, and I want us to pray this together. Pray this out. Pray it out with confidence. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. It's time for me to live. Thank you for giving me courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.